Hi, this is Steve from the HR Happy Hour. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network, the longest running and most downloaded collection of HR podcasts in the industry. Remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for HR Happy Hour. And for more information, go to www.h3hr.com. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast focused on blending research and practical advice to help today's HR, talent, and learning leaders improve business outcomes. Let's welcome your host, Ben Eubanks. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We're Only Human. This is Ben Eubanks, and I'm so thrilled to have you here. I have a question for you. Does your business hire seasonally, or do you have some busy times of the year when you're trying to recruit and fill specific slots? Well, in the U.S., nothing is more seasonal than taxes, and H&R Block is one of the biggest names on the block. Oh, ouch, pun. Anyway, this conversation is a fun one. Despite my terrible attempt at a joke, I'm speaking with Christy Jones. She's a longtime friend, and she is an incredibly sharp recruiting leader that talks to us about how she builds amazing hiring manager relationships with her team, what it takes to manage recruiters versus just working as a recruiter, a fun conversation there on leading, and why this firm that people see as a stuffy tax company, in her words, is actually doing some amazingly innovative work in workforce planning, hiring forecasting, and more. I really hope you enjoy the session, and if you do, be sure to ping Christy Jones on LinkedIn or Twitter and let her know. I know she'll appreciate it. Before we get to the conversation with Christy, a real quick announcement from this episode's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by WorkHuman. It's an amazing HR event that I am really looking forward to attending in April. This year's lineup includes top-shelf speakers like Amal Clooney, Brene Brown, Simon Sinek, and a special panel featuring Toronto Burke, Ashley Judd, and Adam Grant. You can find out more info at workhuman.com. And, you know, not only will you have the chance to hear those amazing speakers, but those that need the HR certification credits, for those of us that are carrying our, our HR certifications around, you can rack up a cool 17 credits this event. So there's a lot of good stuff going on there. Topics at the event cover everything from neuroscience to recognition to diversity. Just a wide spectrum there on how we can all work more human. And again, we're only human here, so you know it's a good fit. Anyway, you want to learn more about that, check out workhuman.com and you can and you can learn more about the event now on with the show hello everybody welcome to we're only human i am excited to talk today with a longtime friend and a rock star recruiter christy jones christy is a ta leader over at h&r block and if you live in the u.s you can only imagine what kind of crazy activities going on over there this time of year so christy thanks for taking some time to chat with us today yeah thank you for having me i'm excited to be on and yes we are in a crazy time. Of course, we're in peak tax season, so it's it's actually a slower time for TA, but we're ramping up for next year, so we're uh, getting ready. Absolutely. So tell us a little about, before we jump into some of that, because I think it's a fun story to tell, tell us a little about who you are and what you do, and uh, then we can dive into some of these other things. Sure. So again, my name is Christy Jones. I'm the manager of talent acquisition here at H&R Block in Kansas City. Our headquarters is in downtown Kansas City. I started out as a consultant, went as a seasonal associate, and then went full-time. So I've kind of been in several different positions, but always in TA. I started in a senior recruiter role, went to an associate manager role, then went to a manager role. So I've worked my way up in the organization, but again, always in TA. Um, my overall responsibilities, they've changed over the years, but I will tell you, it, it, it kind of encompasses a lot of different areas from 
a lot of program management to, you know, leading um, a couple HR specialists right now that support all of our senior recruiters from a corporate hiring responsibility. Um, I have a lot of, or I oversee most recently um, some strategy and kind of recruiting strategy for our Block Advisors brand and our franchisees, and we're kind of doing a lot more and diving deep into that. Um, experienced tax pro recruiting strategy. Um, I do a lot with our assessments here, any kind of social media post, our interview process for our um, for the hiring managers. We do all the training. I develop a lot of those guides. Um, also, just our recruiting and intern strategy. I have the college recruiting program, onboarding strategy, referral strategy. So there's a lot in my bucket of work. But then we're also, again, my team is supporting the recruiters from the standpoint of all the hiring, all the onboarding, um, getting everyone through our process. And again, just any kind of process improvement and updates. Um, so yeah, there's quite a bit. My, my scope of my job is pretty broad across the TA team. So I, I dabble in a lot for the team and lots of, lots of training for the team as well. So. Excellent. Well, one of the things that popped in my head when I reached out to you originally was the idea that this is not something, you know, in September, people aren't getting their taxes done. This is a specific time of the year that that basically the company is turned on. I don't want to say like a flip of a switch because there are only things yep. to be done, but it's almost like that where there's a specific season where you're busy and then the rest of the year is not so much. And so I'm curious, when you talk about that aspect of the business, what it looks like kind of behind the scenes, because I think I'm, I think people will be kind of curious to hear how that works. Yeah, so I think it's funny because when people think about Block in general, they think, oh, we're this stuffy tax company. We're a financial company. We're actually, um, I think it's still the same ranking. We are the seventh largest retailer in the U.S. So we're a retail organization. We actually have year-round business 365 days a year. I will tell you, I've seen that shift over the years. I would say we were very much more seasonal, what you talked about early on in my career. And now, we're kind of always one year ahead and working year round. So there's really no downtime at block um, like most people would expect because they're like, well, in tax season, it slows down. Honestly, we ramp up. Our fiscal year starts in May every year. We ramp up all of our hiring in May to December, January, even part of February. And then by then, now we're already starting our strategy for next year. Um, we're changing systems. We're doing any upgrading we have. We're looking at all of our project timelines. So there's really no time to kind of stop and take that break. We are always on the go. Even though our volume from a hiring standpoint slows down quite a bit, we're, we're on to next year. So we only truly have two to three months to plan to get ready for next tax season. So it is a very quick turnaround. And like I said, with all the blackout periods with systems and stuff we do here, it's like we have a very short window to turn everything around or make any updates so it's it's quite a business to be in. I will tell you, and what's fascinating about Block is really you have one shot to do it right every time because you don't have do-overs like a lot of teams that are like, oh, we'll just hire again in a few months. No, we hire one time. It's done. We have tax season, and then we start over again. So that's what makes us very unique, I think, is that there's really that one chance to do it right, and then we have to regroup our strategy for three months and think about what do we do different, what changes do we make, and launch it all over again, and hopefully – we do it better the next time. What kind of volume are you looking at? You know, from a field seasonal hiring, I would say we're right around, I think the number they still quote on our website is probably around 80,000 um, tax office associates. Uh, from corporate, I will tell you from corporate regular positions, we anywhere from four to 500 every year. 
And then we have corporate seasonal positions where really seasonal positions housed here at our corporate office in Kansas City. And then we have some remote workers in remote locations. And that could run anywhere from 1,500. I've seen it all the way up to 3,000. So it's kind of crazy. And that number from corporate seasonal and corporate regular is really what our teams focus on. Um, like I said, I assist with the strategy from experienced tax pros and some other brands from Block. But our focus is really that two to 3,000 to 3,500. That's the pocket of work that our kind of small and mighty team of recruiters does in probably a six to eight month window. So it's huge volume in a short time. Wow. So talk a little about that volume in a short amount of time. That thing, that's, that's a high pressure environment, really challenging for, for the people in the seats having to do this recruiting. Talk about how you keep your team motivated as a leader, because uh, I know in the past where I was doing a lot of that, that recruiting, not, not high volume like that, but the really stressful times, it was challenging sometimes. I mean, it just becomes a, a chore almost. So talk about how you keep them motivated, how you keep them sharp for those times. Yep. And you're right. It is very stressful because what we do with our high volume, we call them classes. So you need to, as a recruiter, you have so many classes for like our call centers that you would be filling. And it is very stressful because some of them are every other week. You have to fill 30, 40 every other week in a row. And it's very stressful. And what we have done and and really when I was leading this group, and now I have an associate manager that leads this team, but previously when I led this group, um, what we do and we still continue to do is really you have to connect with them every day. Um, we do a lot of sharing of workload. Is there someone that can help you source? Is there, you know, because burnout happens very quick and we see it year after year. We've had some of the same people in the same role filling these high volume seasonal positions year after year. And it's tough. Like you said, it is like burnout. It's stressful. You're under deadlines. If you don't meet your deadlines, then we, we don't have enough agents to answer the calls for our clients. So there's a lot of pressure from the business as well to fill these. Um, so what we do is a lot of where do you need help? There's a lot of asking for support from a team. Our team is great about everyone jumping in, but then we're also doing a lot of touch base. Um, we do some morning sessions where you go over and we have wig sessions where we have this wildly important goal with that we do every year on sourcing and pipelining candidates and we see where you're at. We actually use our whiteboards and write progress every day. We go over and celebrate our successes. And I think that's important. If you lose track of you're so focused on, I'm going to continue to push these recruiters to fill these classes without any recognition, I've seen a fail there. I, you've got to recognize. You've got to reward. You've got to offer up assistance and help because they can't do it alone. And I will tell you, at one point when I started here, I had up to 16 seasonal recruiters um, because we just didn't have the process right. Now we have like five. So that's how much we have streamlined our process. And our numbers have went down some, but we have made some huge process efficiencies and just making it easy for our recruiters to work. And I think that's the most important thing. But keeping them motivated, back to your question, is really about how do you engage them on a daily basis? How do you not create burnout? You know, have them take breaks. You know, do they need to take some time away from the desk? Do they need to take time off? How can they split the work evenly between other team members? And then what kind of training and support can we offer them? You know, are they not finding candidates? So we sit down and have meetings about what is your sourcing strategy? What have you tried? What has worked? What is not? And then we'll have meetings to say, what have you done? And ask the other recruiters on the team, even if they don't support that high volume seasonal, we want their input. Maybe there's something they're doing that we're not thinking about. 
So it is very much a team effort. And I will tell you, we could not hire this many people if we didn't have such a great team. Otherwise, we would fail. Honestly, it's tough. <laughs> it is tough. Well, I, one of the things earlier you mentioned is you had moved up the ranks. You know, you've you've done the like the basic recruiting. You moved up to the senior level, and now you're actually managing a team of these these superstar recruiters. It sounds like. And yeah. the thing that that got me was I think a lot of people are, would be curious to know what it takes. I think we heard some of those points just now about that transition from recruiting to managing. You you have to understand mm-hmm. the motivations. You have to understand how to recognize and reward them appropriately. Are there any other skills that you would say are essential if you're going to go from that, you know, contributing role as a recruiter and being great at that to being a great leader of recruiters? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I have learned this the hard way is that every time someone comes to me, a recruiter comes to me and asks me a question, I give them the answer. And I have learned that is not the right thing to do. They will never learn. And I will tell you, I'm still learning that to this day because it's always easier for a leader to give you the answer because it's much easier and it's much quicker. But I'm finding the team doesn't learn anything and they always come back to you. And so that has been my hardest kind of separation because I will tell you, since I have been here the longest um, to hear from a TA perspective from the entire team, we have some people that came in right after me. But because of that, the knowledge I have, everyone comes to me for every question. And now I've learned, though, it's like, Christy, you cannot give them the answer every time or they will never learn. So I have to kind of teach them to go out and look for themselves, look for the answer. And I challenge them to say, you know, what do you think we should do? I I, I start asking and flipping it around and asking more questions because I don't think we do that as enough as leaders. I think it's easier for us because we're all in such stressful kind of rush, get our work done atmosphere that I think it's so easy to give people the answers they're looking for versus making them think through it. You know, what would you do differently? What kind of strategy have you used instead of giving answers? And I will tell you, that is the biggest lesson learned over this time because it's hard for me not to just say, oh yeah, go source on this platform or you know what, this works or go use this site here in Kansas City or go network with this group of people because I know it, but they're not learning anything from that. And so that probably is my biggest takeaway from just transitioning is don't give them the answers every time. It's like be a leader, be there to support, but always turn it back on them to ask what can they do? What have they thought of? And kind of work through that process with them um, because I truly struggle with that still. So that's probably my one takeaway that I have noticed that I am kind of that making that shift has been the most difficult for me. Very interesting. That brought to mind one of my favorite quotes uh, from one of the books that I that I love and I always recommend. Um, CEO Chris Van Gorder says command, command and control is quick, but it's painful and it's often forgotten, whereas collaboration is slower, but it's sticky. You know, when you collaborate, yep. you, you really engage their brain, engage their their creativity. It's going to be slower. It's going to take more time, but it's also going to stick with them and stay with them longer. So I think that's a good example of how that plays out in real life for sure. Yeah, it, it's so crazy. And who would have thought that you don't need to give them all the answers as a leader? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> most people think that is that's the right decision. You know, it's like just give them the answers they need and they can move on with their day. But they, we truly find our team doesn't learn what they need to because they're not out there. And even if it's as simple as finding something on our internal internal site, it's like, Make them go look, make them think about it and walk through the process because I did not learn here by not asking questions. And I think that's the thing. I walked into this organization, not done any high volume recruiting, um, 
And it was scary and it can be scary. And I think that's, we have a few new recruiters this year that are in their first season and they're kind of seeing that they're like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? How do I meet this class deadline? What if I don't? And I'm like, there's no option of don't here. (laughs) It's like, we have to figure out how do we meet each class? Um, because our business relies on it. So yeah, it's an interesting shift and it's been a hard one for me. I will tell you because it's again, too easy, too easy to give them the answer. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about one of the things that kind of intrigues me is the idea of filling a class again, because I've never done that type of recruiting where I have to have a, a a set of people ready to go on a certain date. It's usually more of a drip drips and drabs. And so you do a ton of staffing plans, workforce planning, really trying to prepare for the year. And again, most recruiters probably like me reactive, or if we're going to be positive, I guess we could say they're just in time recruiters, right? But yep. I, I don't know if that's because the business is oriented that way for, for them, or if it's just because they have the luxury of that, but you don't have that flexibility. You said it earlier, you have one shot yeah. to get this right. Mm-hmm. Talk about that sort of process of planning ahead. And I think other, other recruiters, other employers can learn something from that example. So share a little about how okay. you do that. Sure. So it's interesting. So I'll kind of back up and kind of start the process where we are now. So our classes, I think we have a class of like 60 starting tomorrow. That's kind of our last big, what we call big class for the week. So what happens is now we go into after action reviews at the end of April. So what we'll do first is this is how we set up the season. We do after action reviews with our client groups. We give them tons of data metrics from the year from What did our funnel look like through the year to what do your survey results say from the new associates onboarding um, within your team? Um, So we give them tons of metrics and data. So that's another big big piece of my job is kind of keeping track of metrics and scorecard. And what do we do from a TA? How are things looking? So each recruiter has these client groups. Um, Maybe it will be a call center. So if they have the call center, they will meet with that team in pretty much it, April, May timeframe, because what I will tell you at Block, generally from a corporate standpoint, a lot of our seasonals return in the summer and then we peak for our new hire classes pretty much September to January-ish timeframe. So it gives us a little time to kind of debrief what worked, what didn't work, and we go through all these slides with our client groups. And each recruiter does this with each of their client groups. So it's very thought out and we're actually going through this process now where they're they're um, going through their slides. So then after we meet what worked, what didn't work, then we go back and look at our strategy. Our workforce planning team, we actually have that sits in our call center area. They work with the call centers. They start developing their plans to get numbers. We start gauging, are your numbers going to be higher or lower from last year? You know, will there be any additional jobs? Are we outsourcing? You know, we start looking at all of that right now in the next few months. And I will tell you, the only thing about our business, because our fiscal year is in May, you kind of have to wait to see what happens with the business. You know, how did we do? How well did we do to find out what kind of budget dollars? So there's an entirely uh, a big process that goes on kind of that May, June, July time frame. By then, our recruiters, though, what we start doing is pipelining and front loading. So we think about what positions do we know we're going to have these certain call center positions every year. Start pipelining. And like I said, WIG, wildly important goal. If you're just going to pipeline, how many do you need every week? So we start getting our team prepared because if you don't go into this and start front loading, I'm going to tell you it's hard to be successful because our positions aren't one to your point. It's like you can't just do this on the fly. We're actually training our recruiters and we're going through. um, CEB has been a great resource for us. They actually have a whole platform 
of talent advisors and some training for your team to your recruiters to be talent advisors. And that's what we call our team. I mean, they are recruiters, but we're really like we are talent advisors. We are not order takers. We are not just reactive to recs that open. So think about the talent advisor approach. And that's why we do our client group readouts. We give them lots of feedback and metrics. And I started that several years ago. And I will tell you, the clients were blown away that someone sat down and went through their business with them and showed them kind of funnels and pipelines and, you know, how many phone screens does it take to get to an interview, to get to a hire. I don't think we share enough data within TA throughout the organization to see what we really do. Because I think to going back to what you said earlier, it's like, I think even the business thinks, oh, recruiting, they'll just fill our positions. It comes open, but we don't want to be reactive. So this is kind of the process we take of, Okay, let's do that after action review. Let's give them lots of data. Let's give feedback back. What changes do we need to make? What worked? Then we go into, okay, now what strategies? Let's start pipelining for the positions. Then we get the workforce planning numbers, and they work with us on numbers and class dates. So then we say, when are your classes? Um, typically, we love to get those earlier in June, July timeframe. Sometimes it's a little later, do the business. But we know that if we don't have numbers pretty much by July, it's hard for us, even October, November, December. We've got to back that. We've got to back into that because it's going to take us a good six weeks to get hundreds of people in the door because we have a, it's a, we have a process to follow. I mean, we have background checks like most companies probably do. Um, we we need to get system access. We need to um, get them in for paperwork. So there's a whole lot of things that have to happen within a short period of time. So for us, it is about looking at your plan, backing into that, looking at your numbers. What do you need? How many? And then we have our recruiters map out weekly. You know, what do you need from a scorecard perspective in your funnel? Like how many phone screens are you going to need to get interviews? And what does that equate to hires? So we have them map out on the spreadsheet what that looks like weekly weekly in order to meet their targets. Because I truly feel if someone just tells you hire 50 people by December 1st, if you don't back into that target like we do, I don't I don't know how you would possibly even fill that. So we're looking week by week. Are you meeting your number? Oh, I didn't get enough phone screens. Oh, I need to add 10 more tomorrow to meet my number. So we are really mapping it out day by day, week by week, right before peak, after we get all of our numbers to get our recruiters ready. And also during that time, we give them any training, any additional resources. We bring in any partners we have from um, a training perspective as far as um the social sites or any kind of job boards to come in and do training. So we are really during that time ramping them up to be very successful, but it is a well kind of oiled machine laid out plan of how you will get there to be successful um, because we can't just open recs and think we can fill them without thinking about that pipeline and that front end and, and filling that funnel. And how do you fill the funnel? So that's the most important piece to our practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things you said in there was really kind of intrigued me a little bit, and I wonder if you could dig a little deeper. You said we don't share enough data with NTA for the org to really understand what we do and just understand, I think, how that works. Um, yep. I actually had a manager <laughs> in the past that said, he specifically said, hey, we need another one of these these people. I'm going to go you know, go put a dollar in and get one out of the vending machine, basically was the kind of the phrasing that he used, and I, yep. I wanted to either cry or punch him in the nose because he, he didn't <laughs> understand that this was the hardest position we had to fill. It took weeks of lead time to, to find the right person. And it was, it was hugely time consuming to try to find these people. And in his mind, he's like, Oh, I decided I need one today and next week they'll be ready to go. And it wasn't like that at all. And so that might not be necessarily yeah. the thing you could touch on, but 
that was my own vent. Uh, but no. share a little bit about we don't share enough data with the organization for them to, to kind of get what we do or even to understand the activities going on within TA because I think that's a common problem as well. Yep. And, you know, before I touch on that, I will tell you the one thing that we have done that I put in place a few years ago, which really has changed our model, is we have an SLA document that shows here's how many people we can fill. If you give us numbers by this date, six weeks later or eight weeks later, we can fill it. If you give us numbers at four weeks before your hire date, here's how we can fill it. I will tell you just by giving that document to all of our hiring managers and sharing what our SLAs are, especially when you have classes, Yes, there's going to be occasionally where they spring one on you, but we don't get big classes just sprung on us because we're like, here's our SLA. Like, if you want your class filled, I can fill 50% of your class by this time frame. So that's another piece I would add in there that we have put in place that I think has really helped improve the process of not just because they used to say, oh, I need 200 people by this date. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. So we had to put some guidelines in place. Um, to do that. So that's one thing I would share too, going back to the plan that I would make sure you do if you're going to kind of that workforce planning. That's a pretty important element. But shifting back to metrics. So, you know, from a metric standpoint, it's funny because we, yes, we survey all of our new hires from our seasonal to our regular. We, we survey them at 30 days. We survey them at 90 days. What I was finding is we were sharing that with our recruiters and getting some great feedback. And we also survey our hiring managers to see how our process was. But we weren't sharing that data with our client groups. And we asked our associates when they fill out the survey, just department-wise, where did they work? And so I started a few years ago thinking, why are we not sharing any of this? Because we can't make any improvements and we can't engage with our new associates any different if we're not sharing this data like TA can make changes from a recruiting standpoint but how do we do that within the business from training to tools they need to the access they didn't have there are so many other things that was missing and so that kind of started the conversation and then we started looking at I think our hiring managers don't really even understand how much volume we actually have to do or find from a funnel perspective in order to fill a class of 60 people and I will tell you, when I brought this data a few years ago to our v, one of our VPs, she sat down and she said, I have never seen information like this before. She goes, this is the best thing. I, I mean, you would have thought it was Christmas to them. It's amazing how much just a little bit of metrics that you could share with your leaders. And also what that did for us, and I, I would say that was a turning point for me and my career and for TA, it gained a lot of respect. And I will tell you, to this day, a lot of people come to me as kind of that leader talent advisor and say, Christy, we'd like your thoughts on this. And I get a lot of people that just ping me now because now they understand like, okay, we get the strategy that is behind all of this. We understand why you have all these metrics. Now we have a better understanding of what you need to do and how we can support TA from that model. And they didn't understand that before because we weren't sharing anything. I think you can share, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, here's how many phone screens we had. But when you lay it out in a physical funnel and show them every step of the way where we lose candidates, you know, where we've had gaps, where maybe we didn't have interview days scheduled. And that's another important piece that I shared with them. We actually lock down and make hiring managers commit to inter interview days every week. So in order for us to fill our funnel, we're like, you're going to have someone to interview Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday between these times. So have them prepared. So then we know we just have, we can just fill in the slots and they will have somebody ready to interview. So we really streamlined the process then with their support because now they're well aware of how many interviews it takes. But I think until you sit down and start showing them those metrics behind the scenes and even from an assessment standpoint, um, 
some of our positions have assessments attached and it's just a data point. It's not a pass or fail for us. It's just another data point in the hiring process. But what that has shown them too is how to use that data. And we've never done that before. How do you train managers on reading that report versus we used to in the past use it as a pass or fail and we kind of changed that now and it's like, let's use it as a data, more of a data point. Because what I'm doing in the last year or two, now we've started in this year, it's probably going to be our first year we'll see results, is now we're starting to match up kind of that performance data with our assessment data on when we hired the person, how well did they perform, what competencies are essential possibly for this position. Um, so now we're really diving a little bit deeper into those metrics. And that, again, is not something we've ever shared with our hiring managers. So I find myself every year we're getting better and better about what can we share, what's important to them, because I think what we found is hiring managers don't see the value if you don't give them the data. And so by giving them data on assessments or funnel or, you know, just after action review data, survey data, I found that you're much more credible in the organization. And I will tell you, I think they really respect TA and the work that's done just because of what we can show them what we've done behind the scenes. If I had to point to one of the most common issues or requests or questions, whatever else that I see from people that are working as recruiters, it is that relationship with the hiring manager. You know, that is always a common friction point. And I think part of it is because the hiring manager thinks, hey, the recruiter doesn't really know what they're doing, or the recruiter thinks the hiring manager really doesn't know what they're doing. And there's this, this black hole where they just can't seem to cross it and understand what the other party is really up to. And by mm-hmm. giving that data to them, you're, you're laying it out there saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not showing off. I'm just telling you what's going on so you understand this. And that seems like it builds the most credible, the most valuable lines of communication that no amount of throwing out, you know, here's our open rec, rec counts, things like that, really laying the funnel out for them. Mm-hmm. It's hugely important. And I love also you said, you know, the after action reviews. Hey, you know, here's the lessons learned from last year. Here's the things that we might not have done right, but we're going to learn from it. And being able to be kind of transparent about those kind of things and sharing that with them, they might have an idea. They might have a, a, something that they can contribute to help with that. And um, I've always been of the mind that, hey, if they're if they're feeling like they're part of the process of fixing it, then they have no reason to complain next time it doesn't work out. So really kind of yes. involving them with that is, is pretty incredible. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And I think going back to your transparency, what you just said, transparency is key because I I have found when you have a team that, you know, someone that thinks, oh, my gosh, I'm going to miss my number and they don't tell anybody, you put us in a much worse situation. Let's be very transparent. So we always have what's your plan B, what's your plan C? If we were going in and we think we're going to miss the class, like you better be prepared for a B and C and what's your backup plan? Um, is it, you know, we can add on a different date. Can we add one, one more class? I mean, so we do have to go in, but again, I have found you will get burned if you are not transparent with your hiring manager. The other thing I've learned too is you don't need to be best friends with your hiring manager. It's like they need to respect you as a talent advisor. And I think that's what's hard for people. Sometimes they get way too comfortable and they share too much. And I'm like, but then when things go wrong, they're not so much your friend. And I think we've had a few people learn that the wrong way too. It's like, there is a fine balance. You have to balance kind of what is that relationship, but it has to be about trust. They have to have confidence in you and you have to be transparent with them or else you will fail. And again, I've seen some of those failures in my career here and it's hard and it's hard to get that respect and earn their respect back. And then it's hard for them to trust that you can even fill a class. And that is the toughest thing to get past. It's hard. So 
goodness. We have wandered over a large variety of topics, but <laughs> is there anything else? I just want to open the floor a little bit. Is there any other advice you'd give to employers to help improve their own recruiting practices kind of broadly? Is there a point you want to reiterate from earlier or a specific thing you might want to say about technology or strategy or process? I just want to kind of give you this this last chance to, to hammer a point home you think is really crit- critical. You know, I will tell you, I, I haven't shared this. <coughs> They're going to share this at the IBM conference, so I maybe have some breaking news here. But actually, we're doing something really cool, which I would tell people, always experiment with new tools, um, new ways of using technology, because what we are doing currently, we're in a pilot phase. And again, this may be breaking news, and I probably, I don't know if I should be discussing. It'll be fine. They're going to talk about it in a few weeks at sure. IBM. But we are actually using Watson um, and doing a little AI um, with recruiter with scoring on resumes and applicants and using Watson to do that through Connects the Brass Ring. So it's actually very cool. Um, we're doing we're piloting it with some of our big pockets of work. So again, it's something that is very much on the fr- the front or the forefront of people's minds. It's like, what do you, can you do to stay current or ahead of the trends? And I think this whole AI kind of trend you see happening. It's like, how do you use artificial intelligence? What do you do? So now we're using Watson and looking at scoring of our resumes when they come in. Again, going to use it as a data point, just like we do assessments. So it's not like someone's going to get kicked out, but I think it's just an easier way for us. And Watson, we're working with it. We're training it. We're, we're showing it resumes, what's good, what's bad based on metrics. And it's kind of a cool experiment. So I will tell you, I don't know how this is going to end up, um, but I think you always have to be willing to take a risk with different technologies, different tools. I feel like at Block, um, we're a little bit ahead in a lot of aspects, um, and we try to stay ahead. We, we try, to, try to stay current, and I think that's important too. Think about your organization. You need to make a step ahead every year from a TA perspective. I mean, if you're doing paper, you are way far behind, and I know there are some people that are. Think about what's that next step. How can you make it so you can automate some of your paperwork? And then build up to kind of where we are thinking about future enhancements. How can we make our recruiters be better talent advisors and sourcers versus going out and, you know, going out post and pray and looking at different sources? It's like what technology can we use to make their job easier and more efficient And I think that would be my key takeaway now is you've always got to be thinking to the future. What tools, technology can you use? Um, Because if you're stagnant, probably your organization, it's tough to get people to. And I think about that from a recruiting aspect. It's like we're doing some really cool things in TA, I think, here. And and we get pinged a lot because we are a large organization. So people like to test things with us. And we don't do everything. But I think it is very important. And I will tell you, we don't have tons and millions of dollars budget, TA budget, like people think. Our TA team is like nine recruiters. That's all we have. So we have a very small team. So you can do a lot, um, but I will tell you technology is a big piece, of, or it should be a big piece of what you're thinking about from a TA strategy. You know, I've been very careful over the last couple of months to kind of stay away from talking heavily about AI stuff because I'm writing a book on the topic right now, and uh, it's going to come out later this year, and part, one of the chapters obviously is focused on TA and the applications and screening and um, yep. sorting candidates and all the other different things that we can do with, with some of those technologies, and I'm really excited. I just had a conversation with the, the IBM team actually last week about some of the things they're doing with Watson Recruit and some of the other stuff there, so it's fun to hear you say that yep. from the practitioner <laughs> side. Um 
it's neat to hear that from someone that's that's kind of exploring and trying to understand those the value that can bring and i love that i love that you clarified hey this isn't going to make the decisions for us so we can you know kick our feet up on the desk and just and and relax this is another data point we're going to see hey you know what how predictive is it does it really predict if someone's a great candidate or not just like the standard assessment that you've been using for a period of time you're going to try to understand that as well and i love that it just becomes one more piece of information to try to find the right people at the right time for the right position that's exactly right. So, yeah, that's my, I would say that's probably a big one. I, again, I think it's kind of exciting because not a lot of people are doing it yet, but I think, you know, a lot of people aren't bought into it either. So it's a matter of, we're just going to see what our learnings are this year and then we'll take it from there. So. Excellent. This has been awesome. So if someone wants to connect with you, if someone wants to learn more about the work that you guys are doing, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Christy Jones, and it's K-R-I-S-T-I Jones. Um, you can also email me, and my email at block is christy.jones at hrblock.com. So christy.jones at hrblock.com. You also, you can connect with me on Twitter. I am kjonesKC on Twitter. And then that's probably the best sources. And um, we can connect email, LinkedIn. But, yeah, I always pretty much accept LinkedIn invites. I think networking is another important piece to my job and networking and getting out there, being social and and getting involved in the community. So I would love to connect with anyone. Excellent. I'll make sure and get those links in the show notes for anybody that wants to wants a shortcut to connecting with you. Because, again, they're. If this uh, conversation is any indication, there's there's lots of good stuff that they could they could uh, learn from you. yeah, we've done say, a lot. <laughs> I just want to say thanks, Christy. This has been this has been an amazing conversation. I have I I had high expectations and they were even blown away. I, I oh, had some good. Some good good notes, good conversation, and I'm going to a to a strategic workforce planning and analytics conference next week to speak. And this is like the perfect primer for me to leading into that session to to think about some of the things that are going on and to hear from someone that's practicing this stuff every day. And so this has been been wonderful. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We, I don't think we share enough in the TA space. Um, sometimes, you know, I think we do a little bit, but I think it's always good to connect and share and learn from others. Awesome. Well, to everyone else, I appreciate you listening to the show. This has been Ben Eubanks from We're Only Human, and I will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to We're Only Human. Please take a moment to share this episode with another HR leader who might see it as a valuable resource in their daily work. For more information about the podcast and to see all our show archives, please visit upstarthr.com.